All right, hello. As you know, we've had a sermon series, um, and this is our third sermon in that sermon series, Faith, Hope, and Love. And today, we are going to focus on love. Um, as we began the last few weeks, we're going to begin with the, uh, I believe it's verse 13, uh, in chapter 13, a lot of times known as the love chapter. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And as you know, we've spent the last couple of weeks talking about faith, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We've talked about hope. We know that hope is not hope. If you can see it, it is hope when you cannot see it. We know that these two words kind of go together as they are both in the same definition of faith. But today, we get to the word love, and it actually says, but the greatest of these is love. So today we're going to talk about love. And we might also want to mention that next Sunday is Easter. So what an example of love. You know, a sort of a segue into, into this idea that our Messiah loved his Father and loved us so much that he would be willing to go to the cross. In fact, you know, so, so that leads us to John 3.16, and we all know John 3.16, and you can say it with me while you're sitting there. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Wow. You know, we think about that, and I don't want to gloss over that verse too quickly, because what a love. The Creator loved His creation so much. You know, there's a verse, what can separate us from the love of God? Nothing other than if we choose to be separated. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that's a big deal, and we need to make it a big deal, and we need to think about that, and we need to ponder that. We need to treasure that in in our jars of clay. Um, and we don't want to gloss over that at all. You know, it's a memory verse, and we've got it so ingrained that we say it, but when we say it, we really need to think about it. In John chapter 15 and verse 13, you'll notice the letters are in red. Jesus Christ says... Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. As you know, in the sermon series, we're obviously making a cognizant effort to relate what's going on in the world around us because we would be, in my opinion, foolish not to. We're all affected in some way by what's going on. I'm not going to ignore that. 
nor am I going to deny the humanity that we all have. But at the same time, we want to be excited. You know, we want to be excited about our faith. We want to be excited that we can celebrate the resurrection of the Messiah and that he ascended into heaven. And the Bible says he's sitting on God's right hand making intercession for us. So when you and I pray and we say, in Jesus' name we pray, there's a reason why we say that. We have an intercessor, someone looking out for us, our best, looking out for our benefit, talking to God the Father for us. I mean, that's what intercessor means, I believe. Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. So I'm going to make some of you a little bit uncomfortable right now, probably. And if I do, I apologize in a way, but in a way, no. Because Daniel and I were talking earlier today. It's times like this that are great growth periods for a lot of us, myself included, because they make us think about our faith. They make us, they make us search the Scripture for answers. They make us pray. Jamie and I were talking yesterday about the way we sometimes feel, you know, the way we feel or maybe versus the way we should feel. The faith, how our faith may be could waver versus how we don't want it to waver. I, you know, I, Peter got out and walked on the water, and let us never forget that. He walked on water, my friends. But he got scared. Well, there you go. I mean, you tell me you've never been scared. I don't know. I've been scared. Jamie and I were talking. And it's one thing to help your family. What about helping others? I believe the bread of life was open today. And I got to tell you, you guys have my utmost respect. Nurses still went to work today. Doctors, pharmacists, police, firemen. Because they believe in something bigger than themselves. You know, Jamie and I were talking. I'm just going to lay it on the line. You know, we have a next-door neighbor, elderly woman, not been in the greatest of health. And as Jamie and I were talking, I said, Jamie, what if, um, what if they call us on the phone? What if, you know, what if he calls and he says, hey, mom is really, really sick and I can't get her in the vehicle by myself. Can you come and help me? And I said to Jamie, I said, what do, what do we think about that? What do we do? What, what's, the, what's the reaction to that? And Jamie said, well, I guess you put your gloves on, your mask, and you go over there and you help. But the reality is, sometimes it's easier to say. I mean, it's easy to say something, but the rubber really hits the pavement if you have to do something. So here's what I'm going to say, and it's going to make some of you uncomfortable, and I'm sorry if that is the case, but 
I'm, I feel obligated over these few weeks to, to preach, to be honest. So here goes. What about that meth-smoking neighbor down the road in your neighborhood who you just assumed they didn't live there? What about them? What if they call? Say, Tim, you're a minister. We need some help. What do we do then? Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. I believe in this context, Jesus was talking to his disciples, but I also believe in the ultimate context that Jesus laid down his life for everyone, including the reprobate. I certainly know that in another passage, he said this, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And I certainly don't believe that any of us are perfect. And, and, and I don't believe that that's what the statement means. I believe the statement means that we are striving for perfection. And what is our example of perfection? Our example of perfection is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the ultimate example. The Bible says no guile was found in his mouth. The Bible says that he was the perfect lamb without blemish. And once again, we can just throw that stuff out. We just, oh, we just throw it out. We throw it out. But the reality of it is, is that that is something that we believe. And we believe that Jesus Christ walked on the earth as a man, yet knew no sin. The Bible says he was tempted in every way such as we are, yet was without sin. He was perfect. Christian means Christ-like. We strive for perfection. And I got to tell you, and I don't know how you feel about this, but when this is all said and done, you know, there may be some folks that will say, well, I liked, I liked you being honest. Or maybe some folks that would say, oh, you should have, you should not, you know, you're not supposed to have moments of doubt or fear. Well, I'm going to tell you I'm a human being of flesh and blood. And sometimes this whole idea of trying to reach perfection it's difficult. Not only is it difficult, but it, it, it sometimes it makes me feel a little bit guilty. Sometimes it makes me feel weak. Um, sometimes it makes me feel a little bit insecure. You know, I'm not Jesus Christ. And I look at what Jesus Christ did and the strength that he had and the passion and the fortitude and the resilience. And I want to be like him. And then sometimes I realize how far I am from that mark. And that's when I need my church, and I need my church family, and I need the Bible, and I need God.
I know sometimes we don't like to look at pictures like this. We should never gloss over what the Messiah went through on our behalf. You know, I was thinking about that the other day. Um, You know, I'm very privileged where I live. I live in the country. And I step out my back door, and I'm in several hundred acres of woods. I go for hikes, and I feel like I'm the only person on the face of the planet. And I have time to think. And I stop in the opening in the forest where the sun is shining through the trees, and I turn my eyes to the sun, and I bask in its warmth, and I honestly, I bask in the light of our Savior. And I pray. And I've been thinking a lot about what Jesus went through on my behalf. And I don't want to gloss over that. And I don't want to take away, and I don't want to make it a rosy picture, because it wasn't. It was brutal. It was harsh. He did something for us that was the ultimate expression of love. Isn't it kind of remarkable that the ultimate expression of love would be something so brutal and violent? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come to you today, and I want to say that we love you. We love you. You've done so much for us. So many times that we've failed to say thank you. So many times that we've failed to be appreciative enough. Ah, We get too busy bickering about silly stuff. Or we worry about things that, as the old expression goes, don't amount to a hill of beans. We get focused on our careers, our lives, our kids. Heavenly Father, we love you. Jesus... We love you. Thank you for what you were willing to do for me, for all of us. The ultimate expression, you laid down your life for all of us. And what's interesting is, is we want to segregate ourselves or we want to, I don't know, maybe that's not the right word. We want to, we want to put ourselves above others because their sin is worse than ours. We're all in some ways reprobates. And you died for every single one of us. I'm humbled by that. It makes me ashamed of my conduct at times. It makes me want to aspire to be more like you, Jesus. To love others as you love. I don't even think I hold a candle to that. But I think that we can all work harder. I think we can aspire. I think that you can help us. I believe that you can help us with anything. I believe that we can bring any request to you. Asking, you shall find, you know, seek, knock. They're all verbs. Heavenly Father, we're asking and we're seeking and we're knocking. Help us to love one another with a deeper love. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Dear God, amen. What does Jesus say about love? 
Well, it's interesting because Jesus says a lot about love. Jesus says in Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40, and many people know this, but it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. To love God with all of your being. That is the first, and Jesus says, greatest commandment. You know, I had a previous elder, and I'll make this quick, but he would always he would always give a sort of a visual or try to give an analogy of these circles. And and he would always have the smallest circle in the center, and he would say, That's where you and God are. And then he would work his way out. We are to love God with all our hearts, minds, and souls. That's the first and greatest commandment. But then he follows it with a commandment that is especially important in times like this. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And I think that we really better ponder that, and I think we really better think about that, and I think that we really better consider what that means and what it looks like. And I think we better look to Christ and not Capitol Hill. I believe that this too will pass. I don't know what will happen. My hope is what is unseen at this point, not what is seen. But when this is all said and done, my friends, there are going to be people that are going to need help. There are going to be people that are going to be behind. There are going to be people that are going to need food. There are going to be people that are going to need monetary assistance. I'm not saying that we can help them all, but here's what I'm going to say. We can help some of them. God is going to expect his people to love one another. And he is going to expect us. And, and you know what? It's got to start. It has to start first here. It has to start in the house of the Lord. And we don't ever want to forget that judgment starts first in the house of the Lord. We got to love one another. We got to look past petty differences. We got to look past some of these things that are causing us to stumble or some of these things that are driving us apart. Does it really matter if a woman prays? Right now, I hope every woman in the nation is praying. And I hope they're reading their Bibles. And I hope that they are lights in their community and a light within their church. And I may upset a few people here, but Jiminy Christmas. Let's focus on what is important. On Thursday, April the 9th, it's Monday, Thursday. It's a day that many people perform foot washing ceremonies. Are we willing to wash one another's feet? 
And you know this could be figurative. It doesn't have to be literal, although it could be literal as well. It could be literal. Are we willing to abase ourselves? Are we willing to take our pride down a notch? Are we willing to wash somebody else's feet? Stinky old nasty feet. Are we willing to love one another within this congregation? Because we better not be telling other people how to love if we don't love one another here. But if we love one another here and we accept one another, even when we're different, or even if we don't do things the same way, or even if we don't always have the same outlook, or even if we don't always have the same preferences, do we love one another enough that we can show the rest of the world what love really means? And when this is all said and done, regardless of whether all of us are here or not, can we as a body... Can we show that we love people? Are we willing to help? Are we willing to sacrifice a little bit? Are we going to sacrifice as a church? Are we going to sacrifice as a country? Because what is true love? Jesus washed his disciples' feet, the Messiah. The King of kings and the Lord of lords lowered himself to washing his disciples' feet. And what did he tell him? What did he tell Peter? Don't forget what he told Peter because he told Peter, if you don't let me wash your feet, you don't have any part with me. He told his disciples to wash one another's feet. 1 John, verse 4. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. I hope you look closely at this picture. And you'll notice 1 Kings chapter 3. And you notice a little child's hand and you'll notice an adult's hand. I'm going to tell you right now what I'm thinking. And I'm going to tell you right now why it says 1 Kings 3 on there. And I'm going to tell you something else. And I don't tell you this because I want to pat on the back. I'm going to tell you this because I, this is the way I feel. Daniel doesn't know this because before he got here today, I spent some time. I come in here and I pray and I kneel and I rest my head on those steps and I pray and I pray for not only, obviously, I pray for everyone. I pray for you. I pray for the church. I pray for my family. I pray that the message will be what God wants it to be. But the reality of this is, I've uttered, ever since I read this, I've uttered these words more than one time. I am nothing but a small child, God. I need your help because I don't know what to do. And I don't know. And I'm not governing you. Solomon was governing the people. I'm not governing anyone. I'm a small child who has my hand in the Savior's hand. And I am looking to him for guidance. And I am looking to God for salvation. And I am looking to God for strength. And I am looking to God for protection. And I am asking God that the words that I speak might be something that would resonate in the minds of people so that they too will be enriched and blessed and strengthened. And so that together we may do mighty works. And I say that with no ulterior motive. You don't need to put my name on a sign. Don't need to call me reverend. You don't need to tell me that I'm extra special. 
Let's put the yoke on. Let's work side by side and let's pull this cart together. And when I fall down, you can pick me up. And when you fall down, I can pick you up. But the whole time we're doing it, we're going to have our little child hand in the hand of the Messiah. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Let us not shut the kingdom door in people's faces. I'm almost finished, but I want to read something to you once again. The words of Christ. Matthew 6, verse 25 through 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Tim Day, are you listening to the words that you are reading? My wife is saying right now, yes. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I'm going to close by showing you three pictures we were privileged enough at one point we were vacationing in Florida. We were at Disney and we walked out of our unit and I don't know exactly what they call it, but there was a plane, you know, the planes that do the smoke and like right in the, in the, in the sky or whatever the case may be. I don't know what you call it, but anyway, and I hope you can see this, but here it is. We walked out, and it said, love God. <clears throat> and I'm going I'm to show you real quick, and then I'll go back, and then I'll finish. 
And that was just a little bit of different view of the same without the lines. It said, love God. And then I don't know how well this one will show up, but it says you plus God equals smiley face. And I, I, first of all, I'm impressed. I don't know how they, I don't know how they do it. I mean, it amazes me and maybe I'm easily amazed, but I'm easily amazed. I thought about this for this sermon. It just happened to pop into my mind. Hey, I've got these cool pictures that I took. And fortunately, I still had them on my phone. But here's what dawned on me after I put them in the sermon. What dawned on me is, is that I always thought, I was always of the mindset that the, that the, the, the person was telling me to love God. Never really thinking that I'm looking into the skies that God created, and maybe that's God telling me. That he loves me. And that makes me smile. God loves us. And he wants us to love one another with the same love that he loves us. We can do it. And if it takes a little bit of a natural disaster to give us a kick in the seat of the pants to make us remember what we're supposed to be doing... Let's love one another. God bless you all. And next week is Easter. <laughs>